0: I'm going to read some words from John, chapter 1, first verse, uh, 18 verses. Very familiar to, to many of us, but just so powerful. And then I'm going to pray for Malcolm as he comes up to bring the, the word. John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. we all have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship from the Father, has made himself known. May god bless his word to us today father as malcolm <coughs> comes up to preach we just ask that you'd fill him with your spirit now may he preach powerfully may his words be your words give us ears and hearts to listen and understand in jesus name amen thank you Nick. lovely to
1: be here once again it's always a, a treat to be standing in front of you, you lovely people so happy christmas I never quite know when about in December it's appropriate to say that, but I think Christmas Eve is probably a fairly, fairly safe bet, so uh, happy Christmas to you all. Now you obviously the well organised ones, um, sitting here this morning, those who perhaps aren't well, quite so well organised, are rushing round Braintree Outlet Village as we speak, trying to catch up on those last Christmas presents, unless there's a few of you will have been knitting there after the service. No reaction from Christopher, so he is obviously one of the organised ones, well done. So at this time of giving, I thought it would be a wonderful idea to actually help put God's Christmas present to the world into our thoughts. Now the reading this morning is probably one of the most Christmassy readings in the whole of the Bible, even though it doesn't actually tell the story of Jesus' birth. Instead it sets out really what God gave the world. Now I think we will all would agree, whether you're up to date with your Christmas presents or not, that Christmas presents can be tricky. They can be tricky for the giver, Now even Father Christmas at this time of year has his critics. Now, because of the perhaps the economic downturn, the children are saying that the Christmas presents last year were better than the ones this year. <laughs> so even poor old Father Christmas can sometimes get it wrong. But, so it's tricky for the giver, but it can also be very tricky for the receiver. I don't know what your families are like, but my family, you know, there are no clues given before Christmas. You have no idea what is inside the wrapping. So Christmas time is a time where, shall we say, our social skills have to be at their very best. You, know, you have a present for you, you open the wrapping, and quite literally anything could be inside that wrapping. You don't have a clue what it's going to be, so you, you carefully open it. <laughs> And you have about <coughs> seconds to react to You have to put the right look on your face as you slowly unwrap it. And as you pull it out, you say, a scarf! A scarf! I've always wanted a scarf, this is so lovely, so much better than socks. I've got dozens of socks, I don't need socks. Oh, oh it is socks. Oh, so long and colourful socks. Oh that's fortunate! it's the short socks that I don't really need I've got plenty of those <laughs> until you look at the next gift and yeah. to your horror could this be short socks it's very very tricky getting that the reaction just right now I can remember when a, a shall I say a young member of my family was very young about 3 or 4 years of old we visited a relative in the run up to Christmas and the gift was open that had been given and he unwrapped it a bit and realised it was close, not at all was he expecting. His reaction, shall we say, was very underwhelmed, so without properly wrapping it, dropped it on the floor and went to the next gift, hoping that it might be a toy or a car or something much, much more exciting. So um, on our way home, we try to make it very clear that you you must be grateful, you must say thank you when people give you things, people are very kind and sharing presents so you must respond appropriately and be positive. Now this message was obviously very clearly received, because a day or so later we were visiting Anne's sister, who had given a present of a fancy torch and batteries, but she'd wrapped them separately. So this uh, offspring of mine opened the batteries first and proceeded to to dance around the room with great joy. I've given batteries, I've got batteries! Very hard to get the reaction right when you're receiving gifts. Very difficult for the giver, very difficult for the receiver. So, our message today really is God's Christmas present to the world. You know, there's some wonderful poetic language in there, some very deep teaching in there, but Christmas presents can be tricky even for God, tricky for the giver and for the receiver. So again, to look at this passage that um, Nick has kindly just read, and follow a similar process to what we might go through with any gift—you know, the usual three stages of, of opening the present and reacting to it. So, if you try and imagine the representatives of us unwrapping God's present some two thousand years ago, oh, thank you, God, thank you for this wonderful gift. Oh, what have we got here? Oh, you've given us a baby. Oh, um, thank you, I think. So the first stage, if you look at the words on the screen in verse 14, what is it? And the second stage of opening a gift is how do you feel about it? And then the third stage, which is in verse 12, is what do you do with it? Now, sort of imagine putting this wonderful gift on the table and having a good look at it and then sort of thinking about it a bit. How do we really respond? before deciding what reaction you're going to give to this very unexpected gift. Now, unlike being with our families, there's no point lying to God, there's no point trying to put on a good show. If you don't like the gift or you're not really interested in the present, you'd be much better off saying so rather than trying to pretend it's something that it But isn't. Don't get God wrong. Don't think he's disinterested in your reaction. This gift needs a reaction, and God is very, very interested in how you're going to respond. So turning to to verse 14, we can have a look and see what this baby is. Well, the passage calls him the Word, which taps into the, the deep stuff in verses 1 to 5. It tells us that the Word is as old as God. He is equal with God. He made the universe. He made the whole world. He made everything in it but then that word became flesh, became flesh and dealt with us, and we have seen his glory. So God became flesh, he became human, he became visible. In many ways, the Bible at this point challenges the views of those people today who say, God, no, nobody's ever seen God, you can't believe in invisible God. You're mad, you Christians, going down that route. But the passage answers that in verse 18 where the passage accepts that you know, this can be a real problem to many people, but responds by stating that this word character, his son, has now become known. He has become visible. So if you have any doubts about the existence of God, he's, he has done the hard bit. God has done the hard bit and he's made himself observable. He was seen. He was recorded, in fact, he was even recorded by the the Roman historians, who weren't, uh, shall we say, his number one fan. So without doubt, there is this historical fact. But even more, if we try and look at this from God's perspective in verse 14, the word became flesh. Now saying that word in ancient times would have sent shivers down the spines of those Jewish people who, who would have heard it. Now those dads who have been to anti-naval classes in the past will remember that video. The video that shows the birth of a child, child covered in blood and all the other bits and pieces. So God coming to earth it was a bit like um, being born as any other baby. You know, how could God come to us as a helpless baby? Now, we here probably all know the Christmas story so well, so we're no longer shocked by this particular phrase. You know, we love babies, they're they're sweet, they're cool, that they look lovely, well they do most of the time. But to see it from God's point of view, we need to think about what it means for him to become a baby, a baby born of human parents. Now, to give it some sort of perspective, I, I struggled here to try and find an example that we we'll try and get the message across, but it's a bit like us being always beamed into a colony of ants, a colony of ants that are in danger, in need of saving. And that is the essence, really, of what this passage is telling us. Imagine being so committed to save that colony that you might be willing to go and join them. So God <coughs> became human on a mission to save us, but even that, to be honest, massively underplays what God did through Jesus when he came as a baby. His move from being the creator of everything to joining the created as one of us. God became human, but his role was far from the all-conquering hero that the Jews of that day expected the Messiah to be. Now Christmas is one of those events in many places that includes the sequel. (laughs) On Christmas Day, many churches not only remember the birth of Jesus, but they also take bread and they take wine. Wine to represent the spilled blood, and the broken bread to represent the broken body, where the church remembers what that baby actually did some 33 years later. Now, not being the conquering hero, Jesus doesn't force us into making changes in our attitudes, changes in our lives, in order to address our problems he quietly takes responsibility for all of our failings, for all of our guilt. He says, it's mine, I will take that on my shoulders. Then he dies on the cross, acknowledging that this punishment really belongs to us, that he faces the death that should come our way, so we don't have to. So would you become an ant to save the ant colony? Would you become an ant to then give your life for that colony? Now, I couldn't imagine doing that, but John's claim in today's passage is telling us that that is exactly what Jesus did for us, God's present to us in that powerful way. So secondly, how do you feel about that present? Now, I'm sure in the past we've all been given things that we need, rather than things that we can really, really want, really, really do with. Like one year, I can remember when I was a child, I made the mistake of, of not writing a thank you letter to an elderly aunt. Didn't say that was. Because being the proper lady that she was, the next year, she gave me writing paper. Whether I wanted or not, that's what I got. strong hint being dropped there. So God's presence is, is hugely generous, hugely generous. He became flesh and died for us. And that is God's plan of what we, as people, actually need. And that is the challenge of Christmas. We all need this gift. You need it whether you think you need rescuing or not. And how you react to it will determine what you feel and how you continue your life as a result of that present. Now, you may be of the view that this present is only for bad people. Now, why would I need a gift like that? And by some sort of error, it's got my name on it, but it doesn't really belong to me. Because after all, you know, we're all good people. We're in the good bunch. We are, but often, despite what we do with our lives, good or bad, we can often lie about what's actually going on inside us, <coughs> lie about the state of our hearts. And as church people, I think we're particularly good at doing this. You know, we believe that we are one of the good people. Okay, we may well say that no, I'm not perfect. You know, I, I don't do anything particularly wrong. So God's presence to my mind is going a bit over the top, do I really need saving in quite that way? Um, But it's a bit like asking for a a gift of a a gym subscription to keep off the Christmas bulge, and then somebody actually gives you an urgent appointment for liposuction. You say, thanks, but I really didn't think it was that much of a problem, you know, it's really that over the top. So God says that I, as a person who's been attending church all of my adult life, and standing here in front of you. you know, I really need this special gift, this dramatic rescue, just as much as anybody else. As I said earlier, presence can be tricky. And finally, the third stage, if we look at verse 12, um, what should we do with this sort of present? Now John states in the passage that to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the right thing to do is what you do with with any wonderful Christmas present, you'd receive it with thanks and believe in him who died for us, who did so many things for us. To acknowledge that God, that you need this present, you need him to take responsibility for the things that you have done wrong and be rescued. And it says in the passage that if you do that, you then have the right to become God's child, to be part of his family with Jesus. And that is what Christmas is really all about. So for many, Christmas is all about... Me. <laughs> That's unexpected as well. I <laughs> <laughs> in all sorts of ways. It's all about family. And here, child, in the passage is offering us a real family, a real family relationship. So whether you live on your own, whether you have difficulties in your family, here, we do all belong to one another. There may be the grumpy uncle, there may be the, the grim aunt amongst us, but we're all family, we're all here together. So here we have a real gift, a real offer from God, who has no illusions about us. The best Christmas present we could ever receive, and all we need to do is accept that we need to receive this gift more than anything else we have ever been given, and to respond to it. Now, John ended his gospel at verse I think it's 22, chapter 22, with these words where he said that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing that you may have life in his name, which echoes pretty much what he said in verse 12 in today's reading. So the question is, have you received him? Have you truly received him? And to close, I remember a story some while ago about two superheroes walking along the road. And one says to the other, Tell me, what's your superpower? And his friend replies, oh, I've got the superpower of hindsight. Hindsight? So he said, hindsight? That's a rubbish superpower. And his friend said, Yes, yes, I know that now. <laughs> today's passage makes it clear that God has given us the gift of Jesus and what that means. But my fear is that many church attendees and much of society will be in a very similar situation to the second superhero who who understands and realises the significance of this gift once it is too late. The Bible tells us repeatedly that Jesus will return and will take those who believe in him to eternal glory, those who have received him. So don't fall into the trap of only realising the importance of this gift. Through hindsight, we need to realise it now. Because once Jesus comes, it'll be too late to accept it. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, that you will open our hearts to receive this gift, that we will respond to it, that we will accept it and become part of your family, so that we can truly come closer to you. Amen. So, I think now we have a, a little video which you may have heard a, a brief clip of on. just a few moments ago which is uh, a, a reworking of the Lennon Cohen Co- Co- song Hallelujah which you may have heard many times before but I'd just like you just to sit and listen and absorb this video because I think it brings it to, to mind more clearly what it is that, uh, that this passage is all about. Uh, thank you Michael.
2: The wise men three came many miles and journeyed long for you No
0: End our service there. That seems appropriate. Let's say the grace together. May the grace grace of our Lord Lord Jesus Christ and love of God, God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, be with us all, evermore. evermore. Amen. Amen.